what do you think commercial or what sort of things do you think commercial marine can learn from Formula One? Um, well, I think it can learn from a little bit from Formula One, but you've got to remember the heritage of the company is from the America's Cup racing. And, um, and there's a lot of synergy, I think, with that spirit of racing and, you know, being able to tackle really difficult engineering problems in a really fast and innovative way. So, um, so I actually think it, it's a good fit rather than a doing things different kind of approach. Um, and all the work we do is all in that, you know, innovative, cutting edge, high tech arena. And, uh, and that's what makes it interesting. And that's what makes it attractive. So I'm not familiar with, with design as, as an industry other than as an external observer, but they, they sort of talk about things like design pathway, don't they? Um, in general terms, then, would a company like BAR have a, a recognisable series of stages uh, of, of the birth of an idea and a design and finally a product that is very recognisable uh, uh, for someone that's used to Formula One? Um, I think, I, I don't know the answer to that, but what I've found coming in is, you know, Simon and the team, Lauren and, and the rest of the team here have... Um, very good kind of templates, project templates that they can use to overlay, um, whether it's a new type of craft or a, a wing wing or whatever. So, um, so clearly in the in the advanced marine market, um, you need to be well organised, and, and the team here are well organised. Um, so it's fairly easy for me to come in and and kind of see how things are going and and latch into where I can add value and, and where I can just let the experts get on with it in the nicest possible way. I would say from a, um, from a design kind of process point of view, uh, where we differ from many marine companies, marine design companies, but probably where we're more similar to Formula One is we are uh, we're very simulation driven in our design. Um, so we are spending a lot of time designing simulation tools that allow us to early on in the, the project, get a very good understanding of how something's going to perform um, rather than um, kind of rely on tank testing or iterative design processes on the water. Uh, you know, when we launch something, we expect it to perform very closely to our simulations rather than a <clears throat> the more traditional um, try and see approach. Sure. That, that, that actually touches on one of, one of my other questions, which was, um, is, um, is kind of, for want of a better word, naval architecture moving away from off-the-shelf things like computational fluid dynamics packages? It's, it sounds like you have to build the, the, the package that you need to build the product in before you, before you even start. Is it, would that be correct to say? Yeah, I mean, we're still using a lot of commercial codes, um, but uh, some of the intelligence goes into the way you tie those together and the way you use them and the way you automate processes and then how you then build kind of custom bespoke tools on top of those to, to extract extra performance out of them. So traditionally, CFD uh, and it is becoming kind of mainstream in the marine industry, but in, in many ways it's being applied uh, in a very similar way to, to tank testing was applied, where you're doing some parametric series testing 
in CFD rather than in a tank. Obviously, what we're doing is uh, applying different uses to the CFD to then combine machine learning, neural networks, and that's all the, the clever stuff that we have to write and develop on top. Uh, and I often say, often say that the, the naval architects now kind of design the system to design the vessel rather than design the vessel directly themselves. Sure. Or at least our naval architects do. So does that sort of very technical approach, um, wh where does it, does, or does it leave space for, or, or, or do, you, do your processes leave space for serendipitous discovery? Um, and, and, and sort of referring back to, to motor racing for a second, if you think about the, the serendipitous discovery of the gurney flap in, um, in motor racing, for instance, um, yeah. does, or, or, or how do you prevent um, the increased technicalization, if that's even a word, um, of the process? How do you prevent that from, from, from leading you to miss out on, on those serendipitous discoveries? Because they, they, they could be quite important as we move forward, couldn't they? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things you have to be very conscious with with uh, AI and machine learning is is what's actually the base of the assumptions you made when you set up the system, um, and and that therefore can inadvertently trap you into your current reality. Um, but I think you know any you know whether it's a racing car, whether it's a wind wing or or a crew transfer vessel, anything where we are looking for the ultimate performance. Um, you know, as engineers uh, and as system experts, we're always going to be looking for what else could we do. And that's, I think that's where the space for the serendipitous stuff comes in. And, uh, and as Simon said, you know, here, the, the naval architects really are setting up the system to design the vessel. But we still need real human beings to, to look at it and think about it and just do that. Does that look and feel like I was expecting, without being trapped into just doing another boat that looks like every other boat. So it's a fine line, but but I'm pretty confident that you know the, the engineers we have here will still find those gurney flaps or whatever you know when they when they're needed, um, they'll they'll appear. I also find that the um, the findings of those automated processes quite often throw up something unexpected, uh, and as open-minded engineers if you take that on board you learn from that experience and then that unexpected quite often then triggers a a whole nother branch of thought process that then takes you off in a, a completely di another direction so quite often it can actually lead you to be more uh, creative in your thinking when just picking up on on what simon r said about building boats that look like all the other boats um, that's clearly not a, um, a problem for, for BAR. Um, but do you think that when it comes to selling boats, um, or do, do you in any way worry about, about the fact that um, it's quite a conservative um, industry that you're selling into and you know, there's, a, there's a certain um, size and dimension of crew transfer vessels? You know, they tend to be catamarans. They tend to be sort of semi-plane in catamarans. Uh, um, is there an element of, of worry there and, and how do you sort of how do you deal with that how do you kind of get around that I think it's a bit chicken and egg so I don't think we, we are concerned about it we think about it we're concerned I don't think we're worried um, at the end of the day you know the the numbers will speak for themselves and when we get a successful boat on the water 
and, and you can actually measure the improvement in efficiency and, and measure the improvement in sea state, then, you know, the boat will do the talking, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, to a certain extent, there's, there's a little bit of a leap of faith. You know, someone has to buy the boat or charter the boat initially. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not that far out there. It looks, you know, it looks um, more stylized, I think, and, and looks more avant-garde than traditional crew transfer vessels. But um, but it's not a million miles away, and so we're yeah we're not we're not trying to do a space rocket. You know, <laughs> this is um, this is still a, you know a work boat. It still has to function in a very difficult environment um, and has to be reliable, and that's. That's at the heart of what we're doing here. We want the performance, but it has to work. It has to be reliable. You have to sort of talk to stake, stakeholders before you um, before you sort of put pen to paper or, or, or hand to mouse. Um, just just thinking something basic like the plan form of, of 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 the vessel that we're sort of talking about is is asymmetric, isn't it? And, and, and did people sort of originally initially say, well, how's it going to? Is it going to? you know how the force is going to behave when it's pushing onto a turbine and things like that which does there have to be a, a great deal of sort of um canvassing the industry first to sort of work out what the objections might be yeah what we're saying we were talking about this um or well, we were talking about the um the, i mean I, I call it a pro but it's probably not the right word for it this um asymmetric plan form uh ctv um and I, I guess uh, we, we, we talked about the design of it and the fact that that you can mock it up and, and, and prove that it works. But in terms of before you even start creating something like that, do you have to talk to the sort of stakeholders and, and kind of deal with objections before all of that even starts? Thinking of a, a potential objection maybe early on, I would imagine, because the asymmetric plan form would be how does it push onto a wind turbine? Um, did did you hear that and, and and how did you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously lots of of considerations, and we spent a a lot of time actually, both with operators and, and potential charterers as well, uh, understanding their requirements fully and and developing a, a set of user user requirements. And you know, pushing on was was one of the examples and how it was going to behave at a, a turbine. Um, and was a, a major consideration in the in the design as well, looking at its low speed maneuverability, how we how we manoeuvre, how we approach a turbine, and how we perform when we reach reach that that turbine. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And then we have to lean on our our design and simulation tools to to prove out that uh, the vessel is going to operate and fulfil those requirements. Yeah, and I, and I guess durability and uh, and things like that because. Obviously, it's got to be lighter weight to, to fly, and um, um, and obviously there's the old um, cost durability triangle. Um, I can't remember what the other leg of it is, but <laughs> uh, speed, I think, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's. Um, uh, I, I guess um, I guess that's part of it, isn't it? Just before you uh, before you start getting too far down the line, are people going to buy the thing? Yeah, I mean they've got to obviously work work commercially as well, which was a a big a big driver from the outset on the on the pro. So the pro is not fully foiling; the pro is semi 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 foiling. Um, sure. But you know, cost was a, a big driver, and 
you know, we've we've also maintained a lot of uh, commonality and equipment of, of what we're using on the proa compared to what's used in the traditional catamaran. So we're repackaging known technology rather than uh, starting with a completely clean sheet of paper. And how how critical is weight on on that? Are you are you having to sort of do what a Formula One team would do, which is literally every single nut and bolt and you know it's got a generator there on it it's got all sorts of other things that it's got to have you know do, do you have to literally look at every single thing and, and and find the lightest or is it is it less critical than that no i mean obviously any any vessel displacement is uh is a major driver on on efficiency but actually one of the advantages of the prior is it's it's more forgiving to variations in displacement than a a traditional catamaran so actually we've been able to use all the same equipment and we haven't had to compromise uh with with weight or, or reliability uh and you know the the proa copes with that very well and can cope with a good variation of displacement as well so it it's good across the the whole payload range of the, the vessel and which is obviously huge on the ctvs from a you know effectively a, a high speed passenger ferry up to something which is you know, a bit of a workhorse carrying, you know, several containers out to the farms. Uh, oh. and that, that's you know, one of the, the strong advantages that we have. Um, in terms of um, a Formula One team, uh, and this is speaking as someone from very much from the outside, um, my perception would be it, it's got quite a simple job, hasn't it? It, it? it makes changes, tries to make the car go faster, more competitive, tries to win. It's got quite a, a focused direction, but a company like BAR is, it, it's got, okay, it's got, the, an, 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 I guess, an overarching decarbonisation um, kind of aim. But how does, it, how does it pick its next project? Because on the one hand, you've got sort of um, uh, wing sail for, for sort of cargo ships. On the other hand, you've got a, this sort of semi-foiling CTV. So, how does it know or how does it work out what to what to pick next, what to go for next? So I think it's, it's a good question. I think, you know, um, there's a lot of scope and we're probably spoiled for choice in reality. You know, and um, one of the exciting things is, is being able to accelerate that journey uh, in terms of decarbonisation in the marine world. So, so, yeah, we, you know, we have a relatively short list at the moment that we're working on. We've got a number of live projects. Um, but they all have a kind of a common goal, even though they're all very different. Um, but the kind of the what next is is really the interesting thing. And uh, you know, we're expecting there could be a lot of development on the things we're already working on. You know, we we see this as a journey with these these types of products, um, and and the scope of the application of them is enormous. So so and we, we you know we get approached by people as well who kind of know us for what we do uh, and ask us to get involved in things. So. So without giving too much away about where we're going in the future, you know, um, you know, there's there's plenty out there. There's things we're looking at now, um, and they'll grow and develop. And and we've just got to focus on what we're also delivering now, because a bit like Formula One, you know, unless you get the boat in the water and it performs, it doesn't mean anything. So um, so we are very very conscious that you know we've got a big year ahead of us, and um, we're going to have, going to have a number of things on the water. So we're going to do a really really good job of that first. Well, um, speaking as, a, as an observer of the commercial marine industry, I mean, BAR's brought things out that have literally made me fall off my chair 
with sort of excitement and amazement. So really looking forward to, to, to I'm sure there's things, as you say, that you can't tell me um, that, that are coming up. So really looking forward to, to seeing what's in the pipeline. Um, Simon and Simon, thank you very much for, for chatting to us. Um, and um, yeah, all the best, uh, Simon R, with, uh, with, with the new position. Thank you very much. Thank you.